This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg Podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlansky, and I am sans Nick Horwat to start out this show just simply because of scheduling conflicts and scheduling reasons, but he will be on later when we are joined by our guest for today, Wes Crosby, writer for NHL.com, covers the Pittsburgh Penguins and has covered the Pittsburgh Penguins for the past decade for NHL.com. So we welcome Wes onto the show to talk all things Pittsburgh Penguins getting set for the start of the NHL regular season, which... It is officially the final week of 2021 without regular season hockey. That's just amazing. I love that. To hear that, to know that this is the final week, it just gets me even more excited for the start of the regular season. So like I mentioned, we have Wes Crosby on the show. We have Nick Horwat joining the show. And this is actually going to be our season two finale. Now, I know we said last week that we were going to close out season two on Thursday's episode, Season 2, Episode 86. But one of our listeners, one of our loyal, loyal listeners, Chris Bourne, pointed out to us in our Twitter DMs, guys, are we really going to stop one shy of Episode 87? I mean, Season 1 was 87 episodes. Are we really going to go 86 episodes in Season 2? And he had a good point. So you know what? This is Season 2, Episode 87, our Season 2 finale. We have some Penguins news. We have some preseason games to talk about. And then, as I mentioned before, we have Wes Crosby joining the show in the second segment. So let's quickly get through all the Penguins news from over the weekend. Obviously, the biggest news of the weekend is that once again, a Penguins player has landed himself on the NHL's COVID-19 list. And this time it's an even bigger name. Zach Aston Reese is an NHL regular. And he went onto the COVID list because of a positive COVID test earlier in the week. But now, number 59, Jake Gensel, will be added to the COVID list after testing positive for COVID-19. It is expected that Gensel will be cleared by the season opener. At least that's the news as of right now. We'll have to obviously keep an eye on that because as of right now, Zach Aston reese tested positive earlier in the week, has yet to return to practice. So Gensel, that timeline starts for him now. Penguins players and coaches have since begun wearing face masks again in the facilities. You just have to imagine that if you're the Pittsburgh Penguins right now, you hope it stops there because Crosby is already going to be out due to injury. Malkin is already going to be out due to injury. Those are your number two, your top two, I should say. Those are your top two forwards. Those are your best players. Now, arguably your third best player in Jake Gensel is also currently going to be absent due to the COVID-19 pandemic. So, missing Gensey, he was supposed to have his preseason debut on Sunday against the Detroit Red Wings, and we'll get to that game in a second, but he was taken out of the lineup and replaced just before game time. So let's talk about the preseason games, because the last time we came to you, they had only played the one against the Columbus Blue Jackets, where they were shut out 3 to nothing. They had two over the weekend, starting with a 2-1 to win in Buffalo, beating up on the Buffalo Sabres, It was an interesting game. Definitely, obviously, low scoring. You still had a lot of AHL guys, a lot of fringe guys in there. A couple things to take away from that game. Jordy Bellarive, right out of the gate with a fight. 
dude was chucking knucks pretty well. I mean, he had a he had a pretty clear size advantage, but he he, he tossed around. I, I don't have the name in front of me, but he tossed around a young buck from Buffalo pretty easily and pretty handily there early in that game. So getting the boys started early is Jordy Bellarive. And unfortunately for him, he was sent down to AHL camp, so he's not going to make the roster out of camp. He wasn't expected to, but good for him to get a little bit of a, a noticeable play and a noticeable fight there. And I'm sure Penguins fans appreciated him getting the boys going early on in that game. Other than that, not much going on Friday in Buffalo. Casey DeSmith in his preseason debut looked pretty solid. He was able to make a couple big saves, one huge one on a two-on-one that he was able to make with his pad. And you know what? That's what we want to see. We want to see our backup goalie playing pretty well. And that's what we saw. It is preseason again. You have to look at the fact that Buffalo was playing a lot of AHL guys. The Pittsburgh Penguins were still playing a lot of AHL guys. I mean, shoot, Buffalo this year is going to be made up of mostly AHL guys, even when the regular season rolls around. But it was nice to see Casey the Smith locked in. He did give up, I believe he gave up one goal, and then Louis Domingue came in and shut. Oh, no, I'm incorrect. Casey DeSmith did not give up a goal. Louis Domingue was the only one to give up a goal on Friday night. And the other thing I wanted to mention, the first preseason goal in the Pittsburgh Penguins preseason scored by number 49, one Dominic Simone. But I thought he couldn't finish. Well, I guess he can finish in the preseason. Now, does it mean anything? Absolutely not. But good for Dom Simone. You know, there's been a lot said about him since the Penguins re-signed him. You know, able on Friday night to go out there, put a backhand top cheddar, and put the Penguins on the board for the first time this preseason. So good for Dom Simone, good for the Pittsburgh Penguins, get a W in the win column, you know, get in the win column in the preseason. Again, those get wiped out in about a week, but a nice 2-1 to win in Buffalo on Friday, and they followed that up with a beautiful 5-1 to win against the Detroit Red Wings on Sunday at PPG Paints Arena. It was kids' day at PPG, so... Apparently, the Pittsburgh Penguins are not historically too good when it comes to Kids' Day, but luckily they were able to put on a show. Again, 5-1 to one victory. It was mainly all NHL regulars for the Pittsburgh Penguins for the first time this preseason. Like I mentioned earlier, Jake Gensel, a late scratch due to COVID-19. But the rest of the team, a lot of regulars in there. A lot of them, including Tristan Jari getting to play the full game. Big Jeff Carter opens the scoring. I mean, the guy scored in basically every game. He played in as a Pittsburgh Penguin, it seemed like, last season after being traded from L.A. And he just continues that this year. His first action in the preseason, he pots a goal. Another big performance came from Danton Heinen. I know a lot has been said about where he's going to play in the lineup, but today he was playing in Jake Gensel's spot because of that late scratch. Danton Heinen up on the first line, able to capitalize, puts in a goal and two assists, so a nice three-point day for the, one of the newest Pittsburgh Penguins in Heinen. Kasperi Kapanen has played in every single preseason game and continues to impress. I mean, it, it feels like Mike Sullivan wants big things for Kasperi Kapanen this season. He's saying that he wants to see Cappy in all of these games. He's saying Kapanen does a lot better when the workload is there, and he's certainly giving it to him so far in the preseason. And Kapanen, once again, looking extremely, extremely talented. Scored a power play goal early in this game with a beautiful shot from the right circle and putting it right over the shoulder of the Detroit Red Wings goaltender. A nice goal there for Kapanen. And my last note on this game was Tristan Jari. Now, it is a preseason game. So, like everything that I've mentioned when talking about these two games, like everything that we mentioned back on our last episode when talking about the Columbus game, you take it with a grain of salt. 
because in a week, none of this is going to matter. None of this is going to matter. You know what's going to matter? It, it's going to matter if these players, which most of the guys that played today were already expected to make the team. It's going to matter if a guy like P.O. Joseph does something and makes the team. It's going to matter for whoever's going to make that fourth line if, if Brian Boyle does something. If Drew O'Connor does something. Drew O'Connor looked fantastic on Sunday. So it's <laughs> something I was not expecting. But, I mean, that's where it matters. These guys that are fringe NHL players that are trying to get a spot. So it matters for them, but the guys like Jeff Carter, the guys like Kasperi Kapanen, even the guys like Danton Heinen and, and Tristan Jari, it's not that big of a deal. They're out here to get their feet under them. They're out here to get hit a little bit, get used to it. And, you know, if you're Brian Dumlin, you're out here to get a little bit of experience when chucking nucks. Brian Dumlin in a fight against a Detroit Red Wing on Sunday. You know, if you had that on your bingo card, you're probably the only one. Interesting. I mean, after a big hit, he has to answer the bell. I understand that. That's the terms of hockey. But you don't really want to see Brian Doomlin throwing the fists early in the preseason in a game that really doesn't mean absolutely anything, especially for him. But all in all, the Penguins have a good weekend. They go 2-0 and on the weekend. And they're 2-1 and overall in the preseason. Three more preseason games left. One week from tomorrow, though, it all starts to count. Pittsburgh Penguins at the Tampa Bay Lightning. Now, who's going to be in that lineup during that day? We don't know, but we do know who's not going to be in that lineup. And that is this group of players that were cut from the roster as the Penguins made their third group of roster cuts over the weekend. They sent a, most of them down to the AHL camp in Wilkes-Barre, Scranton, including Jordy Bellarive, Jonathan Gruden, Valtteri Pustinen, Felix Robert, Nicholas Almari, Taylor Fadoon, Cam Lee, Will Riley, Mitch Ranke, and goaltender Philip Lindbergh. Those guys were all sent down to the AHL camp. Matt Bartkowski, Pittsburgh area native that was signed to a PTO, he was cut, so he did not make the team. So he's not going to be he's not going to be the Pittsburgh Penguins organization. And then Ravis Anson's was sent to his junior team of the QMJHL. But that leaves, I believe, like 32 players left. Nine cuts left to be made. You know who's still in the NHL right now? Who's still at the NHL camp at least? P.O. Josephs. You still have a guy like Casper Bjorkvist. You still have a guy like Philip Hollander. You still have guys like Nathan Legare, like Sam Poulin. I'm sure we're going to get to see a little bit more of them with three more preseason games on the docket. But for right now, that is what we have for this preseason update of the Pittsburgh Penguins. We're going to take a quick break. But when we return, we will have Wes Crosby, an independent writer for NHL.com. We'll be right back. Hockey is back, and DraftKings Sportsbook has an unbelievable offer to celebrate the greatest sport on ice. New customers can bet just $1 on any hockey game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. Doesn't matter if it's a one-time clapper or a deft deflection. However they light the lamp, you win. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long, with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. Throw down $1 on any hockey game and win $100 in free bets if either team lights the lamp. This week, one puck in the net nets you a big win with promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook. 
Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. We are getting geared up for the start of the regular season for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Less than 10 days away now. And to help us get geared up, we're bringing on a Pittsburgh Penguins writer for NHL.com. Welcome on to the show, Wes Crosby. How you doing, Wes? Pretty good. How are you guys doing? Oh, we're doing good. It's a busy day for me, but we're doing good and getting through it. And uh, <laughs> Berlinski, how are you doing? Oh, I'm, I'm doing really good. Uh, thank you for asking. Uh, I didn't have to deal with uh, traffic as much as Horwath has on the way to this interview. But I mean, hey, that's the perks of not having to work on a day you have an interview. Yeah, well, it happens. Um, but before we even get into Penguin Talk, Wes, we just want, I wanted to ask you, uh, you covered the Pirates a little bit this season. What are your thoughts on the closing of the of another 100-loss Bucko season? Uh, I covered the game last night, which is when they clinched the 100 losses. Um, quite a game. Uh, they were down, what, 7 nothing into the second <laughs> inning, and then another <laughs> Nine nothing. So actually, it made it a pretty easy night for me because straight from the get-go, I was uh, pretty much assuming that they weren't going to come back and beat the Cubs. Uh, you know, it kind of is what it is. The talent's in the minors right now. Um, so I understand that it's difficult to tell Pirate fans to be patient at this point. Um, but that's kind of what it is. If you if you really want the team to turn around, it's going to be a few years. I do think next year they'll take a small step. Uh, you'll see some exciting guys probably in the big leagues at some point. A guy, Ronzi Contreras, made his MLB debut the other day. That's really exciting. They have O'Neill Cruz down there. Um, so there are names to look forward to um, that will be in the you know big leagues somewhat soon. But you're really not going to see the fruits of that until maybe two years from now. They'll take a bigger step, get back to that 500 mark. And then the year after that is when you can really say if this is really working or not. The good news is, well, they have a plan, which is better than the last few years of the previous regime, which I think was just kind of holding on to what was 2013 to 2015 as long as possible outside of getting rid of McCutcheon, getting rid of Cole. But they were, you know, holding on to Starling Marte too long. You know, Gregory Polanco was kind of just laboring along here. They kind of, you know, should have moved on from that sooner. And then maybe it would be how the Clevelands are, the Minnesotas are or whatever, that are other small market teams that have this cyclical process of being good guys. They, you know, they, they can't hold on to certain uh, big ticket guys that will go to the New York's or Boston's or LA's or whatever. And then they have this system in place to where, okay, they have somebody coming up behind them. The pirates didn't have that. This new regime is building that now, which means that there's going to be a process that pirate fans are just going to have to deal with watching this team lose hundred games this year, probably 90 something next year. That's just going to be how it is for a little bit, but there's hope in the future. I think I, along with many pirate fans that wanted hope watched a lot of Greensboro grasshoppers games to see Paguero and Gonzalez this year. So there is hope, which is nice, but I mean, conversely, you look at the penguins prospect system, not quite as deep. So that that's where I kind of will lead off when it comes to penguins talk I mean, if history tells us anything, it tells us that the Penguins this year, the main team, is going to deal with injuries. I mean, we already have Crosby out. We already have Malkin out to start the season. But to you, which young players do you think are going to get called up at one point or other this season, whether it's because of injury or just based on merit? 
Well, I think that P.O. Joseph is a big guy that's trying to make the club now. Um, I think for me, at least, he's the most exciting prospect that they have. Obviously, you got to look up here uh, last year, but he started camp skating next to Chris Letang. That wasn't any indication that that's where he was going to be. I think like it's kind of funny when camp starts and you see these uh, these lines or pairs the first few days. And I get it because, I mean, I wrote a training camp buzz about how Redeem Zahorna could be the Malkin uh, replacement until, um, you know, Jeff Carter gets bumped down once Sid comes back. And, you know, that was just a thing that they were looking at the first few days. Now it's pretty obvious that that's going to be Evan Rodriguez. Well, same type of deal. You see P.O. Joseph next to Chris Tang. It's like, oh, well, what can, you know, what can they do here? At the end of the day, you know, it's going to be Brian Dumoulin and Chris Letang, but it's nice to see, you know, a young guy like Joseph who skated throughout the offseason with Letang um, get a look there with a guy that's, you know, as good as Chris Letang is. Um, I think he's looked pretty good. He is in the second group of, uh, of, of training camp right now, which is kind of an indication that he's on the fringe of being an NHL or not. Uh, group one is kind of just you look at it and you're like, well, that's the NHL roster. Um, other than that, I think, um, uh, Ray has looked good. I think he's actually looked better than pull in at this point. Um, but those are two exciting guys, um, you know, that, that maybe you could, you know, get a look at this year outside of that. It's kind of difficult when you actually look at Penguins prospects, because like you said, the way that, you know, Rutherford did business and everything kind of made the cover bare. And so, you know, there's there's sometimes because I'm mostly focusing on the NHL roster where a guy will pop up and I'll be like, oh, yeah, you're yeah, you're you're around. Um, and so, you know, the the bigger names are what I'm looking forward to. The guys like a Joseph, the guys like a Legare, the guys like a pool and we'll see if any of those. I, I would assume that Joseph at some point is going to, you know, it, mm-hmm. whether he makes the NHL roster out of camp or not. I expect him to get a real good look here because he's just too talented, in my opinion. Uh, the other two, I would just like to see uh, get a look in the roster because I, I think that, you know, they're probably a bit more talented than what the Penguins might have on the fourth line or anything like that. So do Poulin and Legere have like a real shot of making this team? Is it, and if they do, is it out of camp or is there a little bit of a waiting period there? Uh, if one does make it out of camp, I would expect it to be leg array, but I don't think either one of them is going to, they're also in that group too. So unless something happens, you know, it's pretty like (laughs) Mike Sullivan called it obvious. Um, that's the (laughs) word that he used. When you look at the two teams, he said, it's obvious what it is. Now he did say that there's opportunity for those teams to change. Now, do I expect those teams to change all that much? Not really, because you look at it and you say, okay, well, this is what I would expect the Pittsburgh Penguins lineup to look like, just based off of the names and everything when you look at group one and you look at the lines coming out of group one. When you look at group two, it's a whole lot of guys that are going to be, you know, out of here first thing coming and going to be right down to Wilkes-Barre or what what have you. And so that's a pretty good indication. I think that, like, Zahorna has a – decent shot of actually making the squad out of camp just because he might be in that group too, because he was sick. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that Sullivan even said that his undisclosed illness that had nothing to do with COVID uh, might, might've been the reason why he was in that uh, group too, once they went to two groups because they want to kind of work him back in as he recovers from his illness and get his strength back. Um, but 
outside of that, you kind of look at everybody else and you're like, okay, well, probably to start, those are the guys that you're not going to be seeing um, up in Pittsburgh. But, you know, a few months go by and with <laughs> the bad injury luck that the Penguins have, there's always plenty of opportunity for, for guys to come up and try to make a name. Like when Zorna popped up last year, all, all of a sudden you have this big body that gets you four points. Well, you got to see what, what a guy like that can give you. And I think that, you know, uh, prospects that are as highly touted as Pullen or Legere can have that shot too, and maybe even go further with it. Mm-hmm. Now, when I think about opportunity, especially with Crosby and Malkin being out and that that's causing some players that yes, get a lineup spot that normally wouldn't get a lineup spot out of camp. But I also see that as an opportunity for a guy like Jake Gensel to kind of step out of that reliance that people think he has on star centers to be able to produce. How important is the start of the season for him being without Sidergino at the center position? I mean, I think it's important to an extent. Um, I, I mean, if you're a first line wing, you're going to be playing with a, you know, a, a big time center if you're on any decent team. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, what do you want him to do? You want him to play on the third line or fourth line to prove that he can play without Sid or Gino. I mean, that's not going to happen, but what I will say is that it's not easy to play just as well with Sid and Gina. There's been plenty of guys who have come and gone that played really well with one or couldn't play really well with, you know, while playing really well with the other. Jake Gensel just plays well regardless. I think he'll play really well uh, next to Jeff Carter. He's a legitimate, I think he doesn't get enough respect mm-hmm. in my opinion. Um you know, I know that he struggled in the playoffs last year. He tried to address that during the off season by getting in the weight room, getting a bit stronger, um, adding a little bit of muscle. We'll see what that does. I think that's more something that you'll see later in the season if that helps or through a playoff series because he doesn't want to get pushed around, you know, a bit like how he got pushed around against New York. But um, but regardless, I mean, I think he's going to produce. He's a scorer. That's what he is. I think it's proven by now. Um as long as he has a decent center, which Jeff Carter is a good center, he's going to score. Now, will he light it up the way that he does with a Crosby or Malkin? Probably not, but who would? I mean, mm-hmm. those are, you know, two of the best players in, in franchise history. And Sidney Crosby, in my opinion, really hasn't lost much of a step at all. Gino, you can see it coming a little bit. But still, when those guys are at the top of their game, they're two of the best players in the world still. Um, and, and, you know, it helps – their wings produce. So you're probably not going to see him come out, you know, blazing the way that he would otherwise, but it's still a thing where I expect him to be one of the reasons why they have success. If they do have success while they're kind of getting through this period. Plus like at the end of the day, like I think Sid's about supposed to miss about the first week of Mm -hmm. the regular season. I think that people lose sight of that. You look at Malkin and you say, okay, well, he's going to miss two months. Yeah. But Sid's Sid's skating now. Mm-hmm. You know, he he's not he's he's skating on his own before practices. He's only using the one hand so that he doesn't really hamper his wrist or anything like that. But the you know, time frame of recovery was six weeks, about six weeks from the date of surgery, which was September eighth. Well, that lines up to miss the first week of the season, which would be four games. So Jake Ensel would be without Sidney Crosby for four games. So I mean, it, it, if he you know, gets criticized for four games without Smith, <laughs> then I don't really, I don't really know, know anybody. Yeah. 
Yeah, and the fact that it's only going to be a week does kind of lighten the blow of uh, a questionable start to the season. But I'm still going to ask, like, what does the team have to do differently in order to um, succeed without their two highest, uh, you know, their most productive players in the lineup to start the year? Yes, Sid will be back quick, but uh, sometimes you still have to cover for it. What does the team have to do differently in order to succeed in those games? And who has to step up the most, do you think? Uh, Tristan Jari. Uh, he, needs, yep. he needs to bounce back from what happened in the spring mm-hmm. um and he's a funny guy uh because i really like there are guys that'll say that not much gets to them and you look at him and you say i think you're lying uh tristan jari for better or for worse i honestly think that nothing gets to him i think that he's not affected one way or the other um so the criticism i don't think that it gets to him if he gets praised i don't think it gets to him he's just a guy he just goes out there he does his job and if he does it well he does it well if he does it poorly he does it poorly but at the end of the day he's going to go home and probably feel the same way <laughs> like that's just kind of how it is and so that means that he's kind of coming back without this you know big monkey that people are kind of assuming that he has on his back at least personally because i don't think he feels it that way but still if you're a fan or if you're someone like me that's analyzing that's the guy that can't afford to you know give up four goals or anything like mm-hmm. that and especially if they're easy especially if there's you know easy easy ones over the glove side that matt murray was always criticized for throughout his tenure here um and so that's the big one um uh, obviously you're going to need somebody to step up uh, and score some goals. And I think you would like to look at Jason Zucker as someone to, you know, bounce back from uh, a season that he described as awful when he first met with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said, I actually wrote something um, about him after he spoke. Um, I wrote for the hockey writers and um, I just, mm-hmm. I kind of looked at, well, was he really mm-hmm. as bad as he said he was? And mm-hmm. he, one thing that he said was he would be surprised if his shot total was even half of what it normally would be. And I can't remember the exact numbers, but I think it was something like he had 60 or so shots, something like that last year. And it was in 30, something like 38 games or something like that. And so technically he's right because his last four years in Minnesota uh, his normal shot total was around 190. But that comes with a grain of salt because it was a shortened season last year. He only played mm-hmm. 38 games. But if you extrapolate that over 82 games, he would still have only had like 140-some shots. So that's 50 less than he normally would have when he was with Minnesota last. And so he's a guy, He, he you know, he said he's not a playmaker. He's not going to go out there and you know, I think someone like Phil Kessel was actually underrated when it came to his playmaking. Well, Jason Zucker is a guy that he shoots. If he's doing well, he shoots. He has to shoot. And I think he knows that. I think he's going to try to be more aggressive this year. And if he's not, then that's a big concern because he said it himself. And there's nothing else that, you know, he could do if he's sitting there and he's basically admitting that this is something that he has to do. And then ultimately he still doesn't do it then there's a block there. And so if they're going to score, I think that you're going to need someone like him to step up. 
if they're going to hang in games, they're going to need Tristan Jari to be decent on the back end. Mm-hmm. And with Jari, what have you seen from him so far in training camp? I, I know that we didn't get to see very much of him in that first preseason game against the Columbus Blue Jackets just simply because there weren't a lot of shots that were in on them. I mean, only nine total. But what have you seen in practices and what have you seen around training camp from Tristan Jari so far? He looks fine. Uh, there, there's not really anything one way or the other that I would say, oh, he, he's still feeling the effects of last year or, oh, man, look at him. He's, I mean, practice is kind of practice at a certain mm-hmm. point. There have been um, a few scrimmages, and he's looked pretty good in those. Um, the only one that I really remember is the first one, and it was him with the Smith on the other end. And uh, I think the Smith, they, they each play a half. Like the, the scrimmages are broken up into halves, not periods. So it's mm-hmm. two halves, and they're 20-minute halves. And the Smith gave up two goals, I think, and Jari didn't give up any. I don't really think that he was tested all that much or anything like that. It's kind of difficult when you're Mm -hmm. looking at these scrimmages and the teams are all broken up weird and, you know, there's no Sidney Crosby, there's no Evgeny Malkin, but even like the regular lines are all broken up between three different squads and, and, you know, the pairs are all broken up. So what I really would like to see is kind of, I think what we saw when the NHL was coming back from the pause the previous season and when they were kind of ramping up to face Montreal in the qualifiers is that at that camp, when they had scrimmages, you know, you would have the top two lines and the top pair, whatever, um, versus one goalie. And then the bottom two lines and the other pairs versus the backup. And so that top goalie was getting tested. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was Matt Murray. It was kind of easy to tell like which which guy they were going to go with to start the qualifiers because Murray was getting was the you know against Sidney Crosby was against Evgeny mm-hmm. Malkin was against Chris Letang. You were like, oh well, they're getting this guy ready. Didn't work out, but they're getting this this guy ready. Mm-hmm. And I would really like to see how Tristan Jari would perform against that, but we're not going to see that. So I'm not going to really yeah. have a great gauge on him until this season actually begins. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what overall, like, what are your expectations for the team as a whole throughout the entire season? I've been covering this team since 2013 in one way or the other. I started as an intern for the Penguins under Sam Casson and Michelle Crecciolo while I was still at uh, Duquesne about to graduate in 2013. And then I got this job with NHL.com coming straight out of that. And the one thing is, is that it seems like no matter what they do, they find a way to get get into the playoffs. Um, there have been times where I've come in a season and I've been doubtful or questioning if that would be a thing. I think this is one of those times, but just because there's a lot of question marks, I think Cindy Crosby will come back and he'll be fine. Um, I don't really see him tailing off anytime soon. I think Chris Letang is still Chris Letang. I think Jake Gensel and Brian Rust, they're going to be great. Um, the big question mark is, well, one, until Malkin comes back, is Jeff Carter going to be the Jeff Carter that we saw at the end of last year? Mm. Because if he is, that's fine. Um, <laughs> but another question mark is, how long will Evgeny Malkin take to look like Evgeny Malkin once he comes back? Or if he will ever look like yeah. Evgeny Malkin? I was incredibly impressed besides the one game where he had like a mental breakdown. 
Um, I was incredibly impressed with the way that Malkin played upon returning in the playoffs last year. That man played on one good leg mm-hmm. and outperformed Sidney Crosby. Yeah. Uh, and so, I, you know, I've always said that when both of them are going at their very, very peak, I think that Malkin is more dominant than Crosby. Where they separate is that Sidney Crosby is maybe the most consistent player in all of hockey. There aren't these huge dips and then these huge highs. There are these incredible highs, but then even the, you know, everything else he's given you is still really, really good. There are times where Malkin might need time to ramp up or he's just not feeling it or whatever. And I think that's more common now. And last year, I think he was really getting ready to break out uh, before he got hurt. He was on that point streak. He had 12 points in eight games or whatever. And then he gets hurt against Boston. And that's kind of a shame for him because I saw him kind of returning to form after a slow start to last year. Well, if he needs another month or two to ramp up, Mm -hmm. that might be a problem if he's returning in like, say, mid-December or something like that. Those are important games um, Mm -hmm. that you might need him to show up for, especially if you know, who knows how they're going to perform right out the gate. And so that's the big question for me. If he is able to return and look 90% of Evgeny Malkin, I think that's good enough, maybe even 80. But if he doesn't look like if he's Ben Roethlisberger, right? And I'm a, I love the Steelers. Mm -hmm. This pains me. (laughs) But if, if he's, if that's how it is, and I, you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be hating on the guy just like I'm not hating on Ben Roethlisberger. At some point, mm-hmm. everybody gets old. Except uh, for Tom Brady. Except for Tom Brady. Yeah. And I don't know what that man did, but, <laughs> you know, uh, except for him. I mean, Sid might be that, so who knows? Yeah. Um, but the, the the thing is, is that, you know, everybody that that's not those guys <laughs> ends up getting old at some point. And that's mm-hmm. sad, but it's the truth. But also give him every opportunity to prove that that's not the case yet. And so if he comes back, he's decent. The Penguins will be fine. I don't think that they're a cup contender or anything like that, at least the way that they look right now. Mm -hmm. But I think that they're at least good enough to compete in the Metro, um, just the way that, you know, they competed last year in the East and all that type of stuff, maybe even compete for a division title again. But at the end of the day, none of that stuff matters if they keep on getting ousted in the first round. So So what I like to do, at the beginning of the season, the second the puck drops on the first game of the season, I try to never look at cap friendly again until about trade deadline time. But if you look at it right now, obviously for the Pittsburgh Penguins, the big thing is Chris Letang and Evgeny Malkin playing in contract years. Is there a sense at all to you that this could be the Pens version of the last dance? Uh, it's also Brian Rust is in his final yeah. year. as well. Um, man, it's tough. Um, so when we spoke with Ron Hextall the day that, uh, free agency opened, which I think was July 28th, Mm uh, he was asked if there had been any discussions on extending those guys, the three guys. So Rust included. Mm -hmm. And I think that's because when we spoke with him shortly after they were eliminated by the Islanders. He was basically asked that same thing. And he said that, well, you know, they wouldn't really talk about that or think about that until free agency kind of came. And so 
we asked when free agency came. Mm-hmm. He said, well, you know, maybe they would get to that in August. Okay. So we get to training camp and we meet with him. He gives us the update on, on Malkin that he's going to be out the two months at least. Um, and, uh, or he, he's asked about this again, if, if there have been any talks, any progress made on possible extensions and he says no. And so I kind of expected something to happen by now. It's kind of like the TJ, you could go back, go back to Steelers, TJ Watt. Like you just kind of expect that at some point it's going to happen. Um, it's kind of hard for me to imagine that a Brian Rust won't be here. It's kind of hard for me to believe that a Chris Letang won't be here because while he gets a lot of criticism and rightfully so in some cases, he's also kind of like Crosby in a way that he takes such good care of himself Mm -hmm. where you look at him and you're like, Oh, he's still pretty much, he's 34, but he's still kind of the same guy. He puts up numbers. He, you know, he might have a, a mental gaffe here and there, make a bad pass that he shouldn't make or take a penalty that he shouldn't take, but he's still a super valuable offensive defenseman. But with Malkin, if he comes back and he is subpar and he still demands a big number, I could see this being his last year in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Or if he misses these two months and they're just – fine without um then it's going to be more difficult for him to come back or his agent to come back and say well you know he's Evgeny Malkin he deserves this and if you're Ron Hextall or Brian Burke you're saying well we could take that cap number and allocate it elsewhere um and I think that kind of going and and you know to use the other Pittsburgh team again with the Pirates like I you know said sometimes you hold on to things too long and I understand that it's Evgeny Malkin and he's such a huge part in the history of the organization. I think again, he doesn't really get enough credit for what he's done here. I think he's more important than people act like he is just because Sid's been around. Mm-hmm. I think that they're one A and one B there's not one and two in my opinion, but if you can take, you know, that cap hit and make a better team around Sid and around Chris Letang moving forward to take advantage of whatever they have left until those guys hit the wall, mm-hmm. I think that might be more advantageous. I think the sad thing is, is that Evgeny Malkin is 60 games away from reaching a thousand in the NHL. Yeah. Well, I went and looked at, the schedule he would need to come back the first game of december against the oilers in edmonton and play every single game the rest of the way Mm. to reach 1000 this year which means that if he doesn't that there's a very real possibility that he reaches a thousand games but it's not with the penguins and that would be as a, as a guy that just covers the team, not a fan of the team or anything like that. To me, that's still kind of sad just mm-hmm. to think about because it shouldn't be that way. Mm-hmm. You know, this guy shouldn't have a great moment like that. It's still a great moment, no matter where he gets to a thousand games at, but it's not the same as 
you know, I when Sid got it and there is this big thing and Mario's there and they're all, you know, and Sid and 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 Gino and Latang are crying and there's this whole thing. Mm-hmm. That's a great moment. And if you have it elsewhere, it, it'll be great. He's gonna have probably Sid on a Jumbotron saying, Man, you know, I love you and all that type of stuff. But mm-hmm. it's not the same as hanging out with your best friends on the ice and saying, man, look at what we've done. So I think that that would be a shame, but it's a very real possibility that this could be at Benny Malkin's last year, but he has an opportunity to go out there and perform well this year and make sure that it isn't. So that answer was a hell of a reality check for, I want to say a lot of Penguin fans out there. That's, that's, that was a perfect answer for that whole thing. But um, to close out this little interview, how excited are um, you, your colleagues and the players themselves for, to be back in the room and have in-person interviews again. Uh, it may be different still, but just how excited are you guys for the uh, in-person interaction between everyone? It's definitely nice. We're not back in the room yet. So the way that they uh, have it set up is that they have a backdrop right outside of the room. When the guys come off the ice, uh, PR brings them over to us, but we can at least speak with them uh, maybe joke with them a little bit before or after we actually get the interview. It's more personable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even, you know, like Mike Sullivan isn't a coach that is like, he's not like how Dan Bosma was where Dan Bosma would kind of joke with you quite a bit. And there's a reason why, you know, people would say he's a player's coach because he, he just kind of had this more jovial side. I know that things have come out recently or whatever about the way that, he is or whatever but the way that he interacted with us was always jokey and everything Sullivan Mm -hmm. all of a sudden it's way more now we'll see how it is during the season but he's way more jokey than he was before Mm -hmm. and that might have something to do with the fact that you know it was weird last year everything was weird you know like I could only imagine what it was like for those guys Uh, because you're sitting there they're sitting in a room and we have our cameras off and they're just hearing these disembodied voices asking <laughs> questions <laughs> and you don't really have an opportunity for a follow-up if he says something and you're like oh i didn't think about that you don't have the opportunity to just say oh well what about this because you know you raised your hand now it's time for someone else to speak and stuff like that you can't go to them afterwards and say, hey, what did you mean by this? Or just, you know, I, I there's been times where I've talked to Sidney Crosby about football or whatever, and he'll just have a conversation like a regular person. There's not that opportunity there. And so it becomes way more formulaic and less authentic, and there's less opportunity to tell these really cool stories and and put together features that I think that sometimes maybe readers – don't really realize what goes into that. They think that, oh, well, we can just, you know, do our work virtually and nothing changes and that it doesn't affect, you know, the the stuff that we write and ultimately what they read. But that's not the case. There's often times where maybe there's a misunderstanding and you're talking to a guy and they might get angry at you for asking a certain question or something you wrote or something like that. But when you're in person, you have the opportunity to clear that up and say, hey, no, that's not what I meant, or this is my side of things. And then maybe you, at the end of the day, still disagree, but you agree to disagree. Mm -hmm. But if you make someone mad, 
and you're sitting there virtually, they're just staying mad. Like there's, <laughs> there's no opportunity yeah. for reconciliation. And so it's, it's good because of that. I think it helps the reader more than anybody, because at the end mm-hmm. of the day, I think that people misunderstand our, our job. You know, I'm not a penguin fan. You know, I was when I was a kid and I was, you know, before getting this job, but at the end of the day, this is my job now. And I, you know, I call it how it is and I'm unbiased. Um, and I'm, and you're not these guys friend either. And they understand that, but you do have some sort of relationship with them, mm-hmm. and talk with them and converse with them and be personable with them. And you get to know them a little bit, not completely. You never get to know them completely. I don't like, I know of these guys. I would never say that, you know, I really know these guys, but I at least have some insight that will help when I am telling their story and telling it to people that never really get to run into these people unless they're signing an autograph or something like that. But when things are all on the computer, I mean, anybody mm-hmm. can talk to these guys on the computer if they really wanted to and get the same stuff out of them. You're just asking generic questions, and that's just kind of how it is. So I'm, I am glad that, the, and we'll see if we get back into the room. I hope that we do. But even to just be able to speak at, at a, you know, backdrop is way better than being able to, you know, talk to them on WebEx or Zoom. Mm-hmm. And I don't think some people understand the fact that there's some players that last year you might have covered for the entire season or half a season like Jeff Carter and Mark Freeman and never actually met in person. So I think a lot of people are excited to see what comes out now that you, the media actually gets to talk to these guys and, and get to see them in person. And I'm, for one, I'm very excited for it. But Wes, thank you so much for joining us. I know we ran a little bit over, but we appreciate all the time that you've given us. Uh, let all of our listeners know where they can find you on social media and anything you have coming up for NHL.com. Okay. Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at uh, other NHL Crosby. Um, and as far as uh, NHL.com, I'm just, you know, basically doing news bits and all that until the season gets started. There will be a Penguin season preview coming out. I don't know if it came out today. I probably should have checked. Uh, but it's coming out. It's coming out one of these days, and uh, and in there, um, it's just gonna you know tell you uh, about like three keys to the season and, and a projected lineup and all that type of stuff. Um, outside of that, I will have in the hockey news, I'll have a, a profile of Chris Letang, um, and also a prospect profile of Drew O'Connor. Those will probably be late October or November-ish. But that's probably what I have on the docket for now. Awesome. Oh, Don't forget about the hockey writers, which is that uh, Slack message that I believe we both just got from uh, someone. So, um, yeah, thanks you again for having us. For having us, thank you again for coming on to our show. I have to bolt out of here in like five seconds, so I was just getting my thank yous in in person here. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, look for his look for Wes's stuff on the hockey writers as well. Thanks, Wes. Have a good have a good season. Good luck. All right, thanks a lot, guys. Have a good one. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg Podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network, as well as DraftKings. Make sure you use promo code THPN when you go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app for great odds and opportunities once again That is promo code THPN at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. 
we're going to finish off this season two finale. Yes, it is the season two finale, as it is season two, episode 87. Thanks one last time to Chris Bourne for setting us straight in our Twitter DMs. We got to love that. And also another thank you goes to Wes Crosby for joining the show. Great insight and great, just a great interview. I enjoyed listening to him talk. And trust me, when you get to talk to some of these writers, the guys that are in the room, the guys and gals, I should say, that are in the room between, you know, Wes Crosby, Michelle Crecchiolo, we've talked to Josh Yoey on this show. It's always so much fun hearing from the guys and girls that are in those rooms, that are in that position, that are always there because they have such great insight. And, you know, me and Horwat, we hope to be there one day. But as of right now, we're, we're just giving you guys some fun content and some fun pens polls because we have our pens poll to round out season two of the tip of the iceberg. And our poll for last week was which young Penguins player do you most want to see make the team out of camp? Now, this was not a close poll. I don't know if I was expecting it to be when I was typing it because everybody loves P.O. Joseph. They loved him last season in his, what, 15-game stint, the first of his career. And the expectation is that by the end of this season, P.O. Joseph will be an NHL regular. The fact is, seeing the fact that coming out of camp and starting out camp, P.O. Joseph was playing a little bit with Chris Letang, gets, gets a look there, as we talked about in the West Crosby interview. P.O. Joseph in the first preseason game plays over 22 minutes of time on ice, plays in all three areas, penalty kill, power play, five on five, and he leads the team in time on ice. It seems like Mike Sullivan is well aware of the fact that P.O. Joseph is going to be a player on this team. The question is, do you make room for him right out of the bat? A lot of people want to see it. I mean, P.O. Joseph, apart from being a very talented defenseman, and going to be a very talented defenseman in the NHL, is a great guy. I mean, he's a great locker room guy. The dude has style. If you go back and listen to our interview with Michelle Crecchiolo from last season, she tells a story about how P.O. Joseph made sure Drew O'Connor was looking right for the first road trip of the season. He made sure he, he got him under control with his, with his threads. And then you just you just look at the guy. He always has a smile on his face. And hey, there's a cup pedigree in that bloodline with Matthew Joseph, his brother, back-to-back Stanley Cup champion. So P.O. Joseph wins this poll. 63%. He wins it running away, really. 63% of our listeners say P.O. Joseph is the guy they want to see make the team out of camp. He's still there. I mean, all of these guys are still there. I would also say P.O. Joseph is probably the most likely of any of these guys. I mean, I know there's kind of a chasm at forward. But hey, that competition is heating up for the sixth defenseman spot, and P.O. Joseph has his name squarely in the hat. Sam Poulin came in second with 20%. I mean, Sam Poulin has been a guy that has been very highly regarded by a lot of Penguins fans, by a lot of Penguins writers ever since he was drafted. The excitement for this guy, along with his buddy Nathan Legare, has just been kind of paramount in Penguins fans' minds. Now, of course, adding a guy like Philip Hollander, who came in third place in this poll, he finishes with 14%. I didn't add Nathan Legare to this poll, although of those three, it seems like Legare has been the one that has gotten the most commendation from writers and from the coaching staff so far in this preseason. Hollander has been dealing with a, a lower body injury that has been classified as a nagging injury. So we'll see what happens there. That might have hampered his chances to make the team. Sam Poulan, you know, from everything I've seen, people say, yeah, no, he's all right. He, he's good. He, he's doing what we expected. He's not blowing anybody away, though. Not to the level that Nathan Legare has. I mean, 
Coach Sullivan saying that you know he he's he's gained a step or two. He's a lot faster, which was a, was knock on Legere. Obviously, when you talk about Nathan Legere, you talk about his shot, absolutely rocket shot. So yeah, we we got three guys in Poulain, Hollander, and Legere that are still at the pro camp. Will any of the three realistically make this team? Probably not. If anything, maybe one of them, and that might be Hollander because he plays a position. The Penguins currently have two people injured in, and that is center. But we're going to see Poulin, we're going to see Legere both go down to the W, not the WHL. First of all, they never played in the WHL, they played in the Q. But they're going to go down to Wilkes-Barre Scranton. That's where my brain was. And we're going to get to see them play in the AHL, play professional hockey this year. Will they be up by the end of the season? I, I wouldn't count on it, but I also wouldn't doubt it. You know, I'm excited to see it. I'm excited to keep track of it, and we're going to have to get some people on. Maybe Taylor Haas of DK Pittsburgh Sports. She covers Wilkes-Barre for DK a lot. Try to get her on there a little bit into the season, see how these guys are progressing down in the minors. Maybe even Nick Hart, the play-by-play announcer for the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. We'll try to get him on. And we even have our, our old buddy Richard Blosser, who covers the AHL for the Hockey Podcast Network. We'll have to pull him onto the show. Talk about how these young players are doing at the Wilkes-Barre Scranton level. I mean... You look at that team this year, you got Lindbergh, who was just signed by the Penguins this year. You're adding Poulin and Legere for the first time playing professional hockey. Hollander should be there. Hopefully Casper Bjorkfist is healthy. He did get hit in the head with a slap shot on Friday, but he came back into the game. Possibly a guy like Valtteri Pustinen, who our, our good friend of the show, Jesse Marshall, is very high on Pustinen. So we'll get to see him possibly play in Wilkes-Barre. It's going to be a fun season to watch minor league hockey if you're a Pittsburgh Pirates fan like I am and today unfortunately the Pirates season ended and it is another 100 loss season that we had to suffer this year but you know what it was fun to watch the minors this year we watched the Greensboro Grasshoppers as I talked about with Wester Crosby we saw O'Neill Cruz make his MLB debut goes two for four looks great Rowanzi Contreras makes his MLB debut three scoreless innings the future's bright for the Pittsburgh Pirates. For the Pittsburgh Penguins, they, they got to make it work right now. They do. They really do. Before I do say goodbye for season two of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, I do also want to give one shout-out. I know it's a Monday. I know, I know. And shout-outs and call-outs are supposed to be reserved for Thursdays. But I do want to give a shout-out to every last participant who ran today, and by today I mean Sunday, who ran in the Mario Lemieux 6.6 Family walk and run on Sunday morning. I ran in this race once. Did not come anywhere near first place because I'm not that fast. But I ran in this once and I've wanted to run in it every year since and just haven't had the opportunity. Now, of course, I work NFL Sundays. So wasn't able to make the trek up to Pittsburgh to run this. But maybe next year. Maybe next year. I'm hoping that I can run it. One last time, I should have ran it last year. I was just lazy last year out, out of uh, out of quarantine. But shout out to everybody that ran that. Obviously, I'm a big fan of the Mary Lemieux Foundation. And I will always support that. Loved seeing, you know, Dan Potash up there on the podium. We saw, I think, Brian Trottier up there on the podium was there. Phil Bork is always there. And, of course, the great Mary Lemieux. With all the great work he does to give back to the community. To give back in total. Just a shout-out to everybody that ran in that race. A shout-out to everybody that donated today. And a shout-out to the Pittsburgh Penguins because they do a lot of things right 
and, and the Penguins Foundation and the Mario Lemieux Foundation, that might be the paramount of it. So, shout out to everybody involved in that. Shout out to Wes Crosby for joining Season 2, Episode 87 of the Tip of the Iceberg Podcast. But that's going to do it for today. Thank you to everybody that tuned in for this episode and every episode, all 87 of Season 2. And we hope you'll join us for all, I mean, it's probably going to be more than 87, but for every episode of Season 3, starting this Thursday with Season 3, Episode 1. We are just over a week until the start of the NHL regular season. Penguins at Tampa Bay Lightning. It's going to be a fun year. We hope you enjoy it with us, and we hope you go through it with us here on the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. But that's going to do it for today. Thank you for tuning in again, and we'll see you guys on Thursday. Have a great week, Pence fans. You can follow us on Twitter at NickHorwat41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcasts from, so please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. Every team, everywhere.